Hello and welcome to the TT Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to one person from the world of the TT racers to discuss their lives, their journeys, their ambitions and their relationship with the greatest motorsporting event in the world. I'm Chris Pritchard and I'm joined by my sidekick, my... I was going to say lover then, but... (laughs) I feel like we got to that point now, Steve, where, where our relationship is developing in something a little more than just friends. Just for the record, ladies and gents, we don't share a room. I stif- yeah, Steve stipulated that in the uh, in the contract. Hey, but Steve, got quite an interesting guest coming up here. Yeah, Dom the Bomb. You know, obviously he's a podcaster, he's a busy boy. Difficult to understand being a, <laughs> being a Geordie boy, but uh, a great character. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stories. Oh, I bet. Especially, you know, he's, I'm sure he's going to be able to touch on the uh, his last act at the TT in 2022 where he uh, he had a little spill. Yeah, a little bit of a mistake, I believe. And I do think we have some footage of that as well. Do we? Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's get into this one. For today's episode of the TT Podcast, we're joined by Dom Herbertson, full-time podcaster, part-time... <laughs> Carry on, I want to know where this is going to go. <laughs> part-time tree surgeon and part-time bike racer. Dom first came to the TT in 2014 after competing at the Mainz Grand Prix as a newcomer the year before. Fast forward eight years and he is now one of the TT's leading privateers knocking on the door of the exclusive 130 mile an hour club with a win in the classic TT also under his belt. Dom Herbertson, welcome to a real podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fell asleep there. That, that's, uh, you know what I mean? That was so soothing. You know, it was borderline. I don't know how to make of that. Just ASMR. Like, oh, 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 just yeah. really self-indulgent nightmare there, really. You know what I mean? I should have achieved a lot more by then. How are we doing, gentlemen? I, I mean, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Pretty good. You're looking. You, you, I think we've got Ray Charles in the room. Why are you wearing? Why are you wearing dark shades in a flipping blank blacked out? What, what's going on? You're going to sing the tune? Or? Well, God, just uh, just called to say I love you, mate. That's uh, there you are. You didn't see that one Get coming. In. <laughs> but uh, no, I've just come straight from it. Uh, I was in surgery yesterday. You know what I mean? So I'd, um, and now you're thinking, what kind of surgery? No, it's, uh, no. I've um, unfortunately in February I had a had a bit of a mishap at work, and um, no, it led me on to yesterday. I'm full of drugs and full of keen. Keenness to come back on the show. Can we just say prescribed drugs? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was in the northeast the procedure, so there could be absolutely anything flowing through me at the moment. I'm going to have to score this morphine on the street. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. No, so no, I've had surgery on my eyes, so they've rebuilt my eyelid. Um, I had a a mishap at work, like I say. I got kicked back off a chainsaw, and uh, unfortunately. The chainsaw had only one place to go, and that was into my head. So it cut through my helmet, through my visor, through everything, and um, resulted in a triple skull fracture. Bottom side of my eye socket was in three bits. Top side, I've got a notch out of my skull. How did you get a skull fracture with a chainsaw? You just imagine it slicing you up, not actually breaking or... But so, the mad thing about chainsaws are that they're actually quite safe. <laughs> I know this is, this, is not, this is not screaming that point at all, but... When you get kickback of a chainsaw, the chain break off the inertia of the engine kicks in. So what happened is I hit the bit of metal in the tree and it caused kickback and the chain break came on and the bar went straight through. It was essentially an axe wound, this. And it's cut through just from sheer power. And it hasn't continued to cut, but it's cut through my helmet. It's um, had enough pressure to cut both my eyelids off. My eye actually came out just with the impact. Um, 
bottom side is in three bits. Uh, top side's got a, pro- a notch out the top. And then on the back has got a, like a stress fracture. Just on the back the of sheet. your head? On the back of my head, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so when your eye popped out, yeah. it was on your cheek. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> no, no. So actually when, when the incident happened straight away, both eyes went out. Like um, I was blind. Like God. both eyes went straight out just from more shock than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I can remember, you know, dropping to my knees and like I remember the blood, the blood even pouring out my head and I can just think, you know what my first initial thought was? And now I, I know I'm on the TT podcast and I should be saying answers like this, but my first initial thought was, I'll never ride a bike again. God, Not that man. I might lose my eye or that I might die. No. I'm never going to ride, ride a bike no, again. No, like, I just hit the floor and it was just that much adrenaline pumping through you. You think, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. But initial assessment was, I can't see. And I just went... Oh. And was you on your own? Um, a lad um, a lad on the other side of the side called Phil. He's got another name, but I don't think I should say it out loud on your <laughs> podcast, to be fair. But um, no, Phil, <laughs> had to think about that before coming here. <laughs> so no, uh, Phil on the other side of the site, lucky for me, he um, he actually looked up and he, he saw the incident happen. So he trucked me in my own little truck, uh, drove me around about 20 miles to Durham, where they gave me blood at Durham, enough to get me to Darlington, where the eye specialists were waiting to put it all back together. Oh, flipping it. I'm surprised there was anything put, left to put together again. Oh, no, it was um, it was a bit of a mess, <laughs> as oh, you can right. imagine. But, no, lucky for me, very, very... like It's it's one of those situations of lucky-unlucky, isn't it? It's unlucky that it's happened, but lucky that I've been able to keep my eye and um, mm. it didn't hit any of the, the nerve parts or anything like that. So very lucky to keep my eyesight. Very lucky to keep my eyesight. Well, I think the next question I'm going to ask might... Pale into insignificance to to an experience like that, but you've been shown him your scar. Yeah, what? Go on. Yeah, then. So uh, I had a <laughs> I had a mountain bike incident and I scraped my leg a little bit and yeah, got a little bit of a scar on the. Oh, you man! You man! Aren't you must. He is wearing a top saying "Ride or Die" on it. You know I'll what I mean? There's a man who dedicates himself to I the did. course. <laughs> I did. To be fair, so when, you can still read. When I came, when I when I fell off, I for an instant I did think. Am I going to be able to host this podcast anymore? It was touching. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. We realised you weren't. Steve was crossing his fingers, <laughs> hoping he won. That's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back onto track. Obviously, you listen to this podcast. Uh, you know, carry on. No, 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 no. That was no, the no, honest no. answer. I'm not listening to one podcast. It's fine. Not one pod. Don't no, 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 not of this. I mean, in general. All right, fair not enough. Not one podcast. We have a tradition on this podcast. The first question we tend to ask when people haven't had chainsaws in the eye <laughs> is. The, the tap on the shoulder, rolling up to the start line at the TT, it's obviously different for a lot of people and the way you experience it, the way you feel it, what's going through your mind. But as you roll up into no man's land, that distance between kind of saying bye to your mechanics, rolling up to that start line, getting that hand on your shoulder, what's the process of your mind going through that and then what is it just after you get that tap on the shoulder? <sighs> You make that sound like all TT riders are highly educated and can process all that information. It's a, you know, it's a, no, it's, you know, it's, it's that comfortably numb feeling. Mm-hmm. You've just, you've, you've ticked all the, you've, you know, you've ticked everything off the list. You're lined up, and the thing is, you wouldn't be on that start line if you weren't ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, how could you, how could you not be? But rolling up to that point. And he's got your hand on your shoulder. And the initial thought is, I think he holds me longer than everyone else. Because you're watching everyone else clear off in the distance and going, come on, that's surely 10 seconds. Yeah. Let's just get going. But, no, it's 
describe chaos. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those things. It's so hard to nail down. See, I should have actually listened to this podcast. I would have had a really good answer for you. What, what's if the, I did what's the first thing that fires into your mind when that hand's on your shoulder and you go, the flag pops up? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? What's the first thing you try and process? Don't stall. <laughs> it is. What about yourself? Go on, you tell me. You should have a really good answer. You should have no, a really well, every, good answer. Every, I, you know, uh, my podcast. Yeah, You'll answer it. The same on. question, but no, it's, everybody's got different emotions, of course. Mm. But some people, you know, I was paranoid about burning the clutch out. I was paranoid about, and I said, my biggest hate of the TT course is Bray Hill. Really? So I was always very, see, there you go. Mm. I was always very nervous and scared of of St Indians down to Bray Hill, which is only a quarter of a mile up the road. Hmm. So there's a lot of nervousness as well as getting through that section. Obviously, being aware you've got a full tank of gas, it's going to be hard work at Quarter Bridge, cold tyres until you get to Union Mills. Blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot going on processing. Yeah. But the first, my first thing was don't burn the clutch out and get off the line as fast as you can and as simple as you can. Because the whole world's watching and if you stall it... <clears throat> Everyone's going to remind you of it, aren't they? Yeah, I don't really, really care about that because it's the six <laughs> laps. You know, there's over two hundred miles, and it's more a case of uh, it's it's the last bit of the lap I'm worried about where I am, not the first bit. Hmm. I like it. I'll be I honest. Like. I don't think I've ever seen anybody stall the bike on the on the TT start line. Has it happened? Oh, uh, classic, it might have done with the classic, yeah, the classic <laughs> and the two strokes. I don't think I've ever seen a stall because mm. I watch mate, obviously start nearly all the races. Um, yeah. But people have broken down off the start, or yeah, or, really, yeah. When's the last time that happened then? Oh, we've had we've had them, uh, yeah, set off and then break down immediately, not even mm. getting past uh, the pit lane and having to push it down and yeah. But your game, it's game over, isn't it? Yeah. Immediately, it's game over. <laughs> it's written in yeah. the stars if that breaks down for you. There was, yeah. in, in the classic, there was somebody that stalled. I can't, I can't think. I actually missed the stalling bit. And then they managed. They did manage to get it pushed off. I and the next person had to, had to wait. Uh, so his start was delayed and then away they went, yeah. The good thing about podcasts is everyone will be screaming down at the radio station now going, I know the answer, just here <laughs> exactly, it is. Yeah. And here's <laughs> us free like that, having a bloody clue who that is. <laughs> such and such in 1907. <laughs> yeah, the, like... <laughs> the encyclopedias out there, like you see, like John McGuinness, he'll know that. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he knows every fact about this place without a without a shadow. I tried to catch him out. I, I interviewed him uh, at an event last week and tried to catch him out. I, I did like a you have to name the year or, or anyway mm. him, him and, and the other guest and uh, mate, he was unbelievably accurate on his results for every race in two thousand and five. Let alone mate, unbelievable. Really? Yeah, incredible. Oh, yeah, I don't know what I did yesterday. Yeah, I oh, know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pedalling your mountain bike and getting yeah. new scars to impress uh, yeah, the lads. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, TT2022, mm. I mean, you managed to do it with half an eyelid. <laughs> and right up until the, the Saturday of the senior, mm. you were having a crack, in, uh, a crack in two weeks, right? Yeah, no, it was. Um, no, it, it, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. I, and I've, I've spoken to loads of different riders what, about this. you having a good week's a weird one. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that was... No, I'll tell you what, it was actually one of my questions I want to bounce off you. It's just... It's like the return of the circus, isn't it? You know, the TD, we've had three years off and everyone's been dead raring to go and I've never felt more unprepared. Unprepared? Unprepared. And I think a lot of people felt the same. It's, It was all... I did a lot of classic riding, I was doing a lot of motocross, I was doing a lot of this, a bit of that, you know, thinking, I'm in a really good place right now. But come after the entries got put in, there wasn't a single person out there that didn't feel 100% prepared to go down the Bray Hill. Even 
the little systems like getting the you know getting your ferry booked you know getting your campsite sorted you know getting the tires getting this getting that you know trying to calculate what you want to do into the build up to it you're mm -hmm. thinking it's ah, the big it's the little decisions that make up for the big ones and like leading up to the tt i wasn't very much in that mind frame i'm going do i do enough riding have i done like do i do too little have i done oh my head was absolutely bad going into it absolutely bad but that's not a good place to start is it Nah, not particularly <laughs> <laughs> but um no, just leading up to the TT, I felt uh, just on the back foot. Don't know, not particularly. And do you think that's just the same with everybody else because it'd been so long? Obviously, yeah. three years off, you know, missed, missed two years because of COVID and so on. Um, and, and as much nervousness of not being going through the same rigmarole year in, year out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's like, with the, I think the Irish scene did a fantastic job with uh, the Nationals getting getting going you know during the COVID times I think all the club meetings around the whole country BSB did an outstanding job to get as much as they could on the calendar to keep everyone sharp but you can't replicate the TT mm -mm. you can't replicate the TT and I think it was more the build up to it thinking I'm going to do this I'm you know setting your bar out and then the nervousness of trying to achieve that it was so nerve-wracking for me, so nerve-wracking. It seemed to come out of nowhere as well, like we'd been waiting a long time for it. Like you say, people were unprepared. We ha you, you obviously had three years to prepare for it, mm. yet you still rocked up late because it seemed so far away in the distance. But then all of a sudden, we, we had the TT launch and then bang, we're at the TT to go racing. Yeah, late launch compared to normal as yeah. well, so it's kind of bang straight in. And then obviously usually... You know, you compete on the classic bikes as well in August, mm. so there's a lot going on each year, so you're kind of well up for it. But, yeah, I suppose I, I get that. No, it's, I'd put it down to the nervousness as much as anything else. Mm. But you still had a good you still had a good two weeks, though. Yeah, so, no, we're, like, um, top ten, in, like, top ten mm -hmm. in everything. And, like, last last time we were there in 2019, that's a long time ago, isn't it? <laughs> Terrifying saying that out loud. But um, the last time we were there, we got top ten what, in the scene. What year? 2019. Is that right? 19? I, was... I don't know. Hold on. Say it again. <laughs> Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna you sit here that. and get the. Ri uh, I'm not gonna sit here and get the written mix out. Uh, yes. No way. No way. There you are. Get the handbags out. Here we are. Well, that was the shortest podcast we've had here. Exactly. <laughs> By one of the shortest hosts. They're in. There you are. You've been looking. <laughs> I know. Help me, good eye. Help me, good eye. There you are. So no, like like you say, in 2019. <laughs> there you are. Is that better for you, Steve? There you are. But um, no, 2019 we got um top 10 in the senior and like leading up to that we're in the top 15 so this year I think it was like 10, 9, 8, 8, 8 I was struggling to move that number 8 at that point but we got into the senior race and um, off the leading like uh, sorry the opening lap the opening two laps even I was in 6th place and then I was starting to come onto the back of like Michael Rutter and I caught up with like Sam West I caught up with Phil Crow. I was mowing on, which mm -hmm. was really good, considering the conditions. Me being slightly heavier than other lads, I don't think the wind was disrupting me too much compared to the, yeah. all them whip, <laughs> racing snakes out there. But, no, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I got caught out. That's the bottom line of it. Fifth lap, we put a new tyre in. I can't thank the, the lads enough. It was outstanding pit stop. We were feeling good. I think I dropped down to eighth place at that point. And it was looking good to try and get in the top seven, which was fantastic. And uh, it went through Glen Helen 1, which is absolutely hauled it, hauled it back on the stops, uh, entered Glen Helen 2, shifted back a gear, and I tipped in. And the valley's opened up a bit. Now, like, there's a lot of footage around the Isle of Man. 
and like the wind was gusting really, really badly. And I, I tipped in the Glenhillen too, and it didn't didn't disconnect the front, but I felt the wind just push me wide a bit. And I was having to correct the bike back to bring it in on the right-hand side, as we all have. Unfortunately, I've gone for the correction on the right, and my arm's collected with the wall, not the bike, and it's ripped me off the bike. And actually, up to that point, I can't remember it. You know, like, I can remember... Sorry, I can remember up to my arm hitting the wall, but after that, it was lights out and woke up in hospital. Unfortunately, I've got a very bent second-hand bike there, which is now for sale on eBay, account number <laughs> seven. <laughs> no, no, so I'm, I'm in the middle of rebuilding that. So, no, it's uh, me and a friend bought that bike at the beginning of the year, uh, ready for the TT, and unfortunately, it's not looking too clever at the moment. So so during that period that you can remember, as, you, as you're correcting it, at any point are you thinking... Uh, I'm in. I'm in trouble here. Or is it? Are you just on working on instinct? Like, well, I've gone a bit wide there. I just need to reassess it, readjust it, and then carry on. I knew it was a bit wider. You know, I knew it was a little bit wider. But I thought, I gently well, yes, you do. You think I'm going to make this, yeah. which is no problem. And it wasn't. Ah, it's amazing. It's amazing. That and that's part of the draw for the road racing for me. It's you've got to be perfect mm-hmm. every time. You've got to be perfect on every lap, and if not, you pay the consequences. And 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 now, don't get me wrong. I'm very, very lucky. You know, I'm very, very lucky. I ended up with some minor fractures, you know, and this place does bite and mm-hmm. I've got away with it with a couple of bit bit uh, sorry, a couple of bent bits of metal and a couple of broken bones. You know, that's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. So I'm very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. So at what point did you re- did your memory come back when you were when you were in hospital? Yeah, I woke up in hospital going, oh, for crying out loud. Did you know exactly what had happened once you woke up? Yeah, well, um, I can remember, like I say, I can remember up to that point, but I can't remember anything else after that. I can't remember, you know, the travelling marshals. I can't remember the marshals. I can't remember the paramedics. I went in the helicopter. I can't remember any of that. But if if you lot are listening, thank you so much for <laughs> screwing me off. The I'm not being rude if I can't remember you, but it's, uh, no, um, I can't thank them lot enough. I really can't thank them enough. And have you seen the footage? I haven't yet. Yeah. I've got it somewhere, I believe. I have. Right. Mm. Does it marry up then? Um, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm thinking he's going to catch me out at any point here because that's the thing now. You can't get away with anything. No. You ha- like, there's no lies. Well, I, asked, no you, I asked you before because I went out next morning to see and looked at the skid bags. And I just thought, oh, in my levers or on the, on the road? On the, on the road. <laughs> Yeah, on the road. I'm not that brave. <laughs> and um, because it looked in, just in a weird place where the skid mark was, obviously where the where the front lines were, where you went down. Right. Um, and that's why I asked you afterwards. You know mm. what kind of what had happened, really? Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's happened on the footage? Then? Oh, we'll, sh- we'll show you. Ed'll show you after. All right, um, spot on. Uh, if he's got it with him, um, so you can look for yourself. But it doesn't yeah. show a dramatic amount, and pretty much what you said, really, to a certain degree. All yeah. right. There we go then. Yeah. See, the memory's matching up. There is hope for me. I, I, thought, you just, for me. I thought you just jumped off, bottled out and jumped off. Have <laughs> I had enough of this? <laughs> I'm done. Press the eject, you've been evicted. That's it. <laughs> Big brother, the Geordie lad. Is... So um, beyond that now, obviously you're on. You're, you're repairing yourself, mm. but you've, you've got your eye to sort out. Any point in that recovery over the past couple of weeks beyond the TT that you thought, Do you know what, I'm not, I'm not that bothered or not? In what regard? About You're like, not bothered about going back after oh, what happened? Oh, God, no, it's the first thing you think of. Okay. Oh, no, for me it is. Yeah. You know, I, God, it's... I'm, I'm sitting here, like, at the moment, while we're recording this, the Southern 100's on. Mm-hmm. And, like, David Todd's mopping up and Jamie Coward's out there, Nathan Harrison, you've got Dean Harrison, you know, got, like, they're all out there 
having the time of their lives. And I'm sitting here with a face like a slapped ass. No offence, lads. Cheers, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> so, no, thank you very much for getting me on the show. I've dug myself a right ditch here. They are, even I can see that. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's... The thing about crack, like, um, I haven't had a crash in a long time, to be fair, you know, and it does remind you how much you love the sport. I know that sounds mental, I know, mm-hmm. and you probably back me up on that, and, you know, you're sitting on the sidelines and you're going... When am I going to get on a bike again? Yeah. And that for me, it's just highlighted. I haven't, because we've been so busy getting ready for the TT and like the Northwest and all the other racing that we do, you almost, almost, almost forget to enjoy it. And, you know, you're working from one weekend to the next to the next to the next and you don't have time to actually soak in what you're doing. And until someone takes that away, you, you don't miss, you don't miss it till it's gone. And yeah. I'm very lucky that I'm going to get back on a bike soon. Wait, I'm saying that every racer says that, don't they? You know what I mean? It's like even <laughs> even though I was sitting here like you know in a full body cast. Oh, I'll be back on a bike next week, don't I'll you worry? Soon. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you must feel the same. Well, go on, go on. You tell me, Steve. Well, no, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, be, before you even get out of hospital, usually you're thinking about <laughs> obviously set up and where you're going next and what's going on, and your your focus is on making yourself as fit as you can possibly be mm. for the next event. Of course, every every race is the same. I'm just flicking in, looking at the calendar, just to see how many weeks you've got until your next kind of outing. It's not long, mate, is it? It's not long. It you is know, not long. Uh, it, uh, 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 you know, and that's not trying to dampen your spirits but, <laughs> you, you know um a big operation yesterday you know, yeah. I know i know we're joking about it or i am you know a little bit you know but it's a aye. it's a big op aye, aye. me too aye aye it's the wrong time to be from the northeast and all because everything is aye. Aye. aye 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 and you're like you're just being insensitive so where now. does the why bit come from why i have no idea <laughs> Have no idea. This is a generation thing, well beyond me. It's just, it's just bred into us from there straight away. But it's, it's a big op, and it's a, mm. you know, there's got to be quite some recovery time. You know, what it's like we've, we've all had broken bones, bit of this, bit of that, and, da, 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 and you roughly know how long it's going to be anyway. And you try and speed it up and exaggerate the healing process, mm. but that's kind of a little bit of an unknown of how long it's going to take to be tip top. Mm. It's um, at, the, at the moment, um, the skin grafts. Uh, working at the moment. Like, actually, funny enough, I woke up this morning because um, yesterday um, I had to remove the bandages. Uh, the bandages were that soaked, you know, from the way, well, you know what it's like, you know, you, especially with this heat wave we're going through, which doesn't happen in Angleteria very often, <laughs> does it? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, a lot of sweat and there was a fair bit of blood coming off it. And so I've taken them off. And now with the skin graft being from one part of your body to another, it was just, it was like an A4 sheet of paper. It was like, oh, for crying out loud, this thing's not taken. This mm-hmm. thing, like the impatience of human nature. You're like, oh, just fix, just fix, just fix. And my dad's kindly drove us down because my big bad plan was surgery on Monday, mint, Tuesday, have a day off. You know what I mean? I can drive with one eye, check it up on the DVL8. You can't drive with one eye. <laughs> I was double checking this. And I'm thinking, I'll drive down to Manchester, have the crack with the lads. You can imagine, I woke up yesterday going... There's no way I am driving a car because I'll end up I, I, I'll end up on Northeast News tonight. Madman, Blue Ford Ranger, wipes out everyone. So my dad's kindly drove us down here, and it was like the blind leading the blind. It was funny as anything, man. So I'm I'm shouting directions off my phone that Tom Tom's trying to tell me that he can't hear because me. I bought this pickup truck, right, for two grand. <laughs> it's the biggest pile of greatness I've ever bought in my life, right? It's never let me da- down. It's never had nothing, but it rattles, it bangs. <laughs> Wheel bearings have been disintegrating for around about six months now. It is absolutely fantastic. So I'm shouting instructions at my dad, and my dad's like, speak louder. I'm like, well, just turn left, turn left. So it was the blind leading the blind. 
But all the way down, I'm thinking, this thing seriously needs a checkup. It needs, <laughs> like, how is it getting through its MOT? I have no idea. I've got a good friend who does that. He knows if he is listening, thank you so much. <laughs> you've, so, you've mentioned him a couple of times, Dad. Yeah. Obviously, you know, a racer himself, a TT mm. racer, you know, uh, Manx Classic and so on. Um, what's his What's his opinion of all of this? You know, I guess he would be half expecting you to do yourself a bit of damage jumping off like you did at the TT this year in the senior. But I'd like not, to clear this up. I didn't work. jump off, at, <laughs> it, like, intentionally, by the way. He's making it sound like I just went, you know what, I've had enough, you know what I mean? Have now, you seen the footage? <laughs> no, yeah, no. Everyone would be like, let's see this footage, yeah. let's see this footage. I'm desperate to see this footage, but uh, no. Uh, no, like you say, you know who I feel sorry for the most? It's me dear mother. Yeah. I'm very lucky that my dad races the TT circuit. You know, we both sit down and we both smile at each other and we both fully understand, you know, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of lads who, lads and lasses who race the Isle of Man circuit and both parents don't understand why we're doing it. I'm very lucky that I've got one. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, my dear mother's got to put up with the pair of us, you know, <laughs> so. I suppose it's really a good thing that you the apple of your mother's eye is Chris Pritchard, not yourself. No, oh, 100%. I know. Mm-hmm. He was... I had no idea, right? What, who I he saw, is? No, I didn't oh, know. Neither does my mother. That's it. Oh, no, so he's a, he's a right poster boy, this one. He's back <laughs> on the, um, the, the... What do you call it? The 2019, programs. 2018. Yeah, I've been there, done it all. <sighs> Pretty was... boys, you see. Pretty boys are getting anything. She would hate it if I started racing. Was it? Was... She don't care for you, Don. But if I start racing, <laughs> oh, not my Chris. Oh, not my Chris. He's too good looking. Was that before the grey hair? Was you filtered? Photoshop. Oh God, you got the right claws out today. Have you had a coffee or something today? <laughs> yeah, right. Got the claws out. Big man. Big man. I'm loving it. Get in. Distinguished, Steve. Some might say. I like that word. Thank like you. That word. That's what everyone uses. I'm, I'm sticking <laughs> for who. I don't know. Stop it. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, so poor old mum goes through it. With, oh God! You know, because yeah. I remember um, uh, be two, three years ago. Now your dad had a bit of a jump off at the classic as well, and uh, me, d- me, yeah, me dad, dad, yeah. Right. So it was on the seven fifty. The gearbox looked locked up on him at um, you know the left before the veranda four. What's that called? The mountain box? No, no. Memorials after, isn't it? Black hut. Black hut. Yeah. Yeah, I love it how Chris is getting this right, and you and me having a bleeding clue. <laughs> <laughs> you and me have actually raised it. Chris's like, I know it like the back of my yeah, arm. It's a left. It's a left. It's a left. Yeah, there's so a black up there. That's so it's like fifth gear, back to fourth, chucking it in, and unfortunately the gearbox decided to lock up on the old man Ooh. and <laughs> chucked him over the roof. And my dad went to the wall, and the bike followed him in, and he obliterated his femur into three bits. And that was a big one. That really was a big one. But um. No, he's had the pin removed and he's... <laughs> now, when COVID, unfortunately, you know, hit the world, my dad was pretty much the only one there going, that's given me just the amount of time to get fully fit to go back to the classic TT. <laughs> my dad was one of the only people that was actually fortunate enough to benefit from COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was like, yep, everyone just uh, stop the world for two years while I'm on the men. So, no, he... Result. He, it was a result for my dad. Uh, but, no, he's back up on it, uh, literally back up on his feet and he's ready to get going again. So, my dad's attitude towards it all is the same of our, like the same as ours. We just want to go back racing. So, I'm very lucky I've got him. Very lucky I've got him. So, do you worry, like, you, do you worry when your dad goes out? Do you think about it or do you just go, well, and is it, he knows what he's doing? Uh, since doing it, you, you know, like... um a lot of racers out there, you know, they've grown up with the race and mm-hmm. like, like, like the Isle of Man was my holiday. Same with yeah. Dean Harrison, Jamie Coward and all them lads. You know, we've all grown up the same. Going to the Isle of Man was just... Watching no- Dad. 
Yeah, watching dad. Yep. And, yeah. you know, you grow up with that immortalisation of your dad. You know, at that age, you don't understand life and death. And it's just dad's going out and racing his bikes. And, you know, when mum came home, like, especially a short circuit meeting, it was like, oh, dad's had a crash. At that age, nothing, nothing computes. Yeah. You know, nothing's like, oh, all right. Yep, yeah, no problem. And every time I went to the Isle of Man, it was the same. And even the older we were getting, because I've got two older sisters as well. Keep your hands off, Chris. Keep your hands off. <laughs> it's your mother. You yeah. <laughs> She'll have the Perry, I'm telling you. She'll kick you in. She'll Same kick time. In. Okay. That's it. <laughs> class. I'm up, I'm up class. for it, Mum. Oh, the rumours are true. The rumours <laughs> are true. They are. Joke. <laughs> but, um, no, so just growing up and... You've thrown me off the track. You're talking about my mummy. you totally thrown us <laughs> You're off. You're talking about it? your dad, your youngster, you're coming through and watching dad watching racing. Dad. Yeah, so you know, on a sort of short circuit. That's it. And it's a case of, because I've done it, it does bring it back home a bit more, you know, mm-hmm. what he's actually going against, you know, and it does highlight the risks of it more. But I think it's made me and him closer. His father and son, massively. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. When you were, say, when you were saying that, the fact that you experienced something like that, you... And we say it on the podcast all the time. I've been to the TT, but I could not explain to someone who's not been what it's like. Hmm. And as a racer, you can't explain to me what it's like. I can only guess. But the fact that you and your dad have shared that passion is something that a lot of father and sons won't, won't ever won't ever get to share. No, no, no. So it's pretty special. Very lucky, you know. It's uh, very, very lucky, you know. It's, uh, I'm trying to think how many. It's not that many, you know. The Dunlop family, mm-hmm. they've yep. done it, haven't they? You know, the Harrisons. Mm-hmm. But n- hold on, right? Adrian Harrison and Dean Harrison, you know, they're brothers who have re- there's been lots of brothers rather than father and sons, hasn't there? That's right, yeah, 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 no, yeah. I can't think of any. Bring I'm up not... John, 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 will know. John, I know exactly, right, yeah. no, that's it. And what about uh, are you the only child or brothers and sisters or sorry, yeah, you, you any brothers or no, sisters? Two, two yeah, I've got sisters. Uh, two older sisters. sisters, you know yeah. that fine well, so no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, two older sisters, and uh, how old are they? <laughs> Cut, cut scene, edit. Like I'm just going to see how long we can actually drive this out, how quiet I can be for a change. I think that there must be a bet between you two. How much can you shut Dominic Herbertson up? You're doing quite well, to be fair. <laughs> You're doing quite well. <laughs> no, so, uh, no, two older sisters, and, you know, we've been brought up the same way, and it's, um, no, watching watching Dad go racing. All all, all together, yeah. Yeah. So when, when you're watching, obviously, uh, as a youngster, watching Dad buzz around um, all the race circuits, not just TT course, who was your hero? Obviously, your dad was. I know. I know you're going to say that. But um, who, you know, in your era, because you're obviously quite young compared to Chris. Um, but who, <laughs> who, who was your hero when you was out there watching? Who was your biggest person you, you would look up to? You know what? It's only since I've gotten a race myself. Like I first got on a bike at 21. You know, I never did motocross, no nothing like that. You know, I was never put on a motorcycle, and. I would go spend my weekends watching well, my dad. Why did it take you so long? Sorry, mate, to jump in, but why did it take you so long um, through, you know, growing up watching dad and being from a racing family mm. to throw your leg over a bike at, and wait till flipping 21? Um, it was basically just down to money. Ah. You know, it was... Um, yeah, yeah. It's simply down to that. You know, it's... Uh, my parents are proper old school, and what I like about that is the fact that we were all brought up the same, both me and my sisters. You know, they weren't going to give me something that they couldn't give the girls. Yeah, you know right what I mean? So, so they give me a motorcycle, they'd have to give them, I don't know, a pony or a jet. You know, I'm trying to think, what's more expensive, motorcycle <laughs> racing? Not much. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, it's... And it was a case of, you know, they were all fully supportive of me going racing, 
but it was a case of go get a job and go do it yourself. And I got an apprenticeship uh, being a tree surgeon at 16. And at that point, I was just saving up to go racing. At that point, you know, it was a case of I had to pay for my own tickets, but I had to get a van to get to work. And then I bought a bike at 17 and went, I can't actually run, I can't afford to, to run this properly. What if bike you know was it? It was, a, it was an SV650. Proper, nice. absolutely outstanding thing. It had um, standard shock in it, standard front end, standard brake lines, like no braided, no nothing. Absolutely fantastic bit of kit. But my dad actually came up with a good point and says, look, if you went and got me road licence first, I don't have to go to race school or I should go through the novice ranks or like that so I could go straight to the Isle of Man. So that's what I did. I got my bike licence and then it was like 18 and then, oh, God, but at that point I bled into more money and, oh... It was only at 21 when I first did my first race meeting. Mm, and within yeah. that within that year, I did Croft for two signatures. I did East Forge for two signatures. Knock Hill. Where was the other one? Cadwell Park. Got all my race signatures and went straight to the Manx Grand Prix. My okay. first ever road race was down Braille. So going back to that question, mm. who did you look up to? I didn't look up. I looked up to my dad because all I did... I kept an eye on dad. I wasn't actually looking at anyone else. You know, when I went to watch yeah, racing, yeah. it was like, you know, if he was like, he was, he was always a podium man at club level and everything like that. And I always just watched him and I watched his style and I, I wasn't really learning a lot about the sport. If you know what I mean? Like it's only when I first got on a bike, my eye got taken off me dad and went, how are these fast? Like, you know, how are the modern day lads doing it with a knee down? And, and I had to learn quickly and I had to learn fast, mm-hmm. especially when I started going out there myself. Because when I first went racing, like, we didn't even have tyre warmers. Like, I turned up at Croft and we didn't even have tyre warmers on the bike. My dad's yeah. like, ah, give it three laps, it'll be hot. I'm is like, it... all right. And everyone else has pulled up on the grid and <laughs> tyre warmers <laughs> and, like, got fan suspension. It was like, go on, son, get your teeth sunk into that and see what happens. And, hey, you learn, you learn quick Throwing that way. in the deep end there. Massively, yeah. massively. But it's probably for the best as well. Hmm. Then you learn to ride a bike on cold tyres. You learn to ride a bike that doesn't handle as well as it's, it could. So when you get on those bikes that do, hmm. you're, all, you're up to speed and beyond. The beyond bit's a strong comment, yes. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, No, thank you. Thank you, though. <laughs> no, but I definitely... Yeah, you're right. And so, it's mad. But... You must it, have... It, you it, must have, you know, looked back at various old TT champions or, or current... You know, you got your McGuinnesses, your Hickmans. Looking back, you've got your Hislops, your Fogartys, Joey Dunlops. So, so many iconic names and special people around the TT course. Your DJs, people, some of the guys that aren't with us, obviously. And mm. you know, and to learn, not just to, and just think, wow, there's nobody really that stands out that oh, you would look up to. Do you want to him to say you, to... Steve? Is that what you're? <laughs> no, is that of what course you're... not. No, don't guy, no, a, no, guy, no, a guy from no, Lincoln I... who was born in Luton. You I don't know, need. You I don't need him to say it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously. What? It's got to be. No, see, for me, it was, it was, it was my dad. It was one hundred percent my dad. And now, don't get me wrong. You know, the first time I ever stuck my head on pit wall to watch a race, I went, I want to do this. You know, and I knew nothing around it. You know what I mean? I wasn't following BSB. I wasn't following, you know, the build up to it. I wasn't. I just knew the Manx Grand Prix and the TT was that little. That one little haven, once a year, and he got to go do it, and it was like and I just remember watching, watching my dad, and knew how happy he was because he didn't do anything else, bar just the road racing of the TT, and the Manx. But 
because I was so focused on that one person, it was hard to deviate what was going on around it. You know, I didn't care who was finishing first. I didn't care who was finishing last. I was just worried about my dad. But like I say, when, when I started getting into it, that's when I thought I need to learn a lot more about this. And that's when it, it became apparent. But I've always had respect, massive amounts of respect for all the winners. Because you do, don't you? It's like, oh, wow, what he must be doing is amazing. But until I had my first lap around the Isle of Man, I pulled in, took my helmet off, going, them lads are amazing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was just like, these lads are on a different level. You know, because my first ever lap, I came in and went, that's got to be 150 mile an hour average that. <laughs> Gotta be, you know what I mean? I am gonna be the next John McGuinness, Steve Player. I am the boy. Came in, it was like, wow, that is crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? First ever laugh. It was unreal. So bef- before we uh, we end the first part of this podcast, let's talk about your TT debut real quick. Hmm. How was it going from from the Manx to to the TT? Did you feel like you'd reached not the pinnacle, but did you f- did you feel like you belonged where the big boys were? No, not at all. Um, <sighs> I went. I got to the Manx thinking I'd never get to the Manx Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. You know, I first bought a race bike and went, I'd be amazed if I get to my first club meeting. Yeah. Got to my first club meeting, survived that, and then it just built up from there. And I got to the Manx, and my first ever lap speed. Now, I would never class a newcomer's lap as a lap, solely because you're in tow and you're not by yourself. It's when you get the pat on the shoulder and you're off by yourself. Yeah. That's your first proper lap, and you're by yourself. No one's there to hold your hand. People are there to sit you up and drive round you. And my first ever lap speed round there was like 72 mile an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember coming in going, like I was saying, I was like, wow, I- I'm like the world's <laughs> fastest man. And I remember my dad, like, he, you know, <laughs> we were in this caravan we bought this caravan for 200 quid all of us chipped in it was absolutely classy <laughs> on and off the side and my dad was out in the practice after and I came in and you had to go to race office to get your time sheet I came back down and I'm looking at the front side like the front side of the sheet and going down I think it was like 1 to 50 and the realisation of when I got to 50 I had to turn over and I went oh crap I'm on the back of the sheet here <laughs> this is not good you know I'm thinking what's my dad going to think here I'm on the back of the sheet and I'm going further and further and further down this back of the sheet. I'm going, I can't, sh- I can't show my dad this sheet. No way. I'm right down at the bottom here. And <laughs> I'm sitting at the back of this caravan and my mum's made like a full Sunday like meal. It's amazing what mothers can do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unreal. Like the quality of food my mother can make off this crappy little hob was unreal. <laughs> And I'm looking at me mother, and me mother's just happy I'm back. You know what I mean? I'm like, mother, I'm at the back of the sheet. She goes, it's all right, son. I'm like, it's not all right, because my dad's going to walk through here any minute now. And I came in, and, me, and this, this, it was like, like stars your eyes. Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be an evil dad. He literally, my dad just pulled back this curtain, and I'm holding this sheet, and he just whipped this sheet out my hand. He looked at the front sheet, looked at me, turned it over, looked at the back. <laughs> And he went down and down and down with his eyes and he literally threw it on the table and just like a joke went, well, you're never going to make a TT rider, are you? <laughs> and it hit, like, honestly, that was the world's heaviest paper. It was like that. Just, it was Boom. Like, oh, realisation. It hurts. You know what I mean? And it was just like, oh, what am I going to do from here? And at that point, the pressure went off. You know, yeah. I never had pressure from my dad. You know, mm-hmm. never. But I thought, oh, I'm crap. It can only get better from here. Well, that's it. You know what I mean? I'm crap. Get over it. Let's move on. And I think I finished that week, you know, like yet again, no tyre warmers, standard brake lines, standard everything. And I think my fastest speed was like a 106 or something like that Mm -hmm. on this thing. And I thought, mint, no problem. 
And going back, that step up from the Manx to the TT. Yeah. At that point, that wasn't even in my mind whatsoever at all. And my dad actually sat down on the sofa and said, you thought about doing the TT? I went from, hold on. <laughs> Only a handful of months ago, you were saying, I'm never going to make a TT ride. He goes, well, why don't you give it a go? I went, yeah, sod it. Let's go for it. You know, so I put an entry in. They refused me big bike entry, and rightly so, because I've never ridden a big bike at this point. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a 600 entry and a super twin entry. Never ridden a 600, by the way, at this point. You yeah. know, straight on the super twins. And me and my dad went and bought a bike from Glasgow. Like, which was sort of like, it wasn't nicked before you sit here, thin Steve. Not many people buying from Glasgow. I'd <laughs> say, yeah. So we bought this road going bike from Glasgow. Same thing again. We put a we put a rear shock in it, kept everything the same. And we, we turned up, like, and went down Bray Hill on it. Cool. And it was just, my first ever ride on a 600 was down Bray Hill. First ever 600 race. And it was I, just. I bet that felt like a thousand as well, didn't it, down there? Oh, my giddy aunt, you have no idea. Going from <laughs> that to that, it was just. <laughs> it, it, it blew the rest of my eyelids off that I've got left <laughs> now. I'm telling you that for now. But like going down Bray Hill, and the thing is, the step up was massive. And the first few nights, we were like, um, I got given this uh, Dunlop rear tyre. And it was a six slap tyre off a big bike. So it was rock hard. It wouldn't. And it was just bouncing all over the place. And we went from like. I think the first three nights of practice, we were doing like 102s. And I'm like, we're not even qualifying speed here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at this sheet going, we're not even going to qualify. I think my start number at that point was number 94. Was number 94. And I'm thinking, no one's got any hope in me. I've got no hope in this. <laughs> going, I'm not, I'm not going to make it at this point. And then we got some solid advice and we, we got a, a, a softer tyre and we jammed it in the back and it, I think in that night we went from like a 104 to a 118 hell. in two laps. Yeah. Because the bike would stay in a straight line. Wow. And I'm going, oh, wow, here we go. And, yeah. <laughs> and then we, we qualified for the first race and I think I finished like 64th or something like that. And I remember coming in now and I remember going up on the, on the, you know, the Villa Marina where yeah, it was yeah. standing on the stage and it was just like... The presentation. Um, like Dunlop looked like, I think he won it that year. And he was like, yeah, yeah, thank you. Another one to the cabinet. <laughs> and I'm like up there and we finish this medal going, I am <laughs> the man. You know what I mean? I'm going just, just, oh, I just... But then, oh, and at that point you just went, I just need to keep coming back. Yeah. And then at that point you're thinking, wow, if I ever, ever get in the top 30... I'll be amazed. If we ever get a bronze replica, I'll be amazed. And then you can imagine it just, the momentum. Yeah. Just carried and carried and carried. And you just keep think, away. And I'm just scared of never not going to the Ironman. Uh, and now, <laughs> you know what I mean? fast forward all the way to this point, 2022, mm. we ended up with top 10 finishes throughout, silver replicas, knocking on the door and beating some of those riders that you'd probably look up to as victors at, at some point in the TT. It must be um it must be an amazing feeling. Before you answer that though, we're gonna end this part here. Oh god. So if you want to hear the answer to that, you're gonna to have to join us in part two. Where we're also gonna talk about the podcast. Oh good god. <laughs> join us then.